Hi, this is Jeanette Creamore, or you may know me as JC. Welcome to Laugh, Learn, Lead, a podcast show that helps project sponsors, project managers, and their teams shape their project success stories. I'll be sharing interviews that bring a different perspective to what project success looks and feels like, as well as unpacking our conversations to provide insights and practical tips. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hi, listeners. Today's episode is an awesome one with Cassandra. She's an experienced project professional with a passion for new, innovative technologies, software, big data, and the creative digital space. She's delivered small to large-scale projects for government and private enterprise throughout Australia, Asia-Pacific, UK, and Northern America. Cassandra recently pressed pause on her career to take on a whole new kind of project with the birth of her daughter, Frankie. In the very near future, she hopes to return to project management full-time. We talk about what got her into project management, what she loves about her roles, her three key points for all projects, and the struggles she's experiencing to return to work as a new mum. Hi, Cass. It's so awesome to have you here. I'm really excited. When I first met you, I had no idea you were interested in projects. Um, So tell us a little bit about where you've been and what excited you in your career to date. Yeah, so I guess... um Hi. <laughs> when we first met, I wasn't actually really working in a project capacity. I was more of a resource on a project, um, working in a little, I guess you could say, a tech startup um, on a project that you were project managing client side and um, sort of explored software for the first time, having come out of university in a completely different industry um, in law and science, so far removed from software. I ended up working in a software company, fell in love with it, but was much more in a training sort of support role, um, learning from the ground up, um, help desk things, customer service, um, client relationship building. And I met you actually and um, we were working on such a big project and it was really big for the company I was working for at the time. And I learnt a whole new world of um, I guess, challenges and things that it really excited me to pursue professionally and sort of grasped onto that um, and from there took myself wherever I could go to learn more about what you were doing particularly, um, very much inspired by um, the way you managed and the way you um, worked on that project when you came to our client workshops in town. I thought, I want to do what she's doing. So when I found out that what you were doing was project management, that was really the um, turning point, I guess, from a Cassandra who was happy doing, you know, uh, customer service, learning the ropes to one that really pushed herself to become a project manager rapidly, but not stupidly. Um, and that's probably how I kick-started my career in project management, um, basically by learning a little bit, keeping where I was um, in that training and support role, taking my time understanding what it meant to be a leader, what it meant to listen, um, to have to manage resources, and then um, letting opportunities that arose from there take me to where I got to today, I guess. Wow. Oh, well, I'm lucky that um, (laughs) I was okay on that first time we met you. But can I just share, there was something about you at that time when we met that I always and I said to you, I think you've got some untapped potential, Cass, and that, you know, whatever you want to do, you're going to be able to achieve it. 
because you did have that desire to learn and so and you always ask the questions oh why do we have to do that what you know will it be better if we did it this way so you were very and I've probably seen a little bit of me in you because I'm curious and I always like to unpack and understand the why because if I understand the why I can actually do the how a lot better Mm. and um so yeah so I can remember and also you made the best cups of tea (laughs) remember that that was my payment for whatever you'd given me that day. I was obviously subtly saying, thank you for helping me <laughs> progress in life. <laughs> Here's a tea. And I also found it very strange that um, you didn't drink coffee, I guess. <laughs> no, I didn't back then. I was actually a tea. No. Yeah, yeah. No, and everything, everything I had learnt about project managers was apparently they run on coffee and wine. And here you were just sipping tea. Um, and usually when you visited the office, it was my job to bring you tea. So it was a pleasure. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> what's some of the um, project roles that you've had um, when you were with me? And um, I was so grateful that you took a role here in Melbourne uh, for, I think we seconded you for six months at the time. And yeah, yeah. You just got your hands in there and we knocked over for a national regulator of higher education the first ever case management solution and without you beside me we would not have got that and joe was helping us remember joe she was our data Uh, i love her yeah she's a beauty she worked just as hard (laughs) So, so i think her ability to understand the data and to get us and your ability to get in the detail and do the testing you were constantly picking up issues about the process and going well why didn't the client ask for that this would have been a better way to do it so since Mm. I left you um, and we kind of parted our ways what other project roles have you had? Ideally I would have loved to have stayed in Melbourne I think just before I answer that question Melbourne is absolutely amazing and I absolutely miss living in such an awesome city um, not that Brisbane's horrid, but um, the weather certainly suits me better down south for someone who doesn't enjoy the heat at all. Um, my fond memories, I guess, of working really late round the clock with you on that project was getting to rug up and do it comfortably. <laughs> um, I guess since then I did move back to Brisbane. So I came back to Brisbane, I think, January the following year. So I sort of did um, that contract in Melbourne the last half that year um and when that wrapped up I guess um coming back to Brisbane I knew going back to where I was beforehand was probably not an option being a startup you know ebbs and flows as far as um costs and and budgets for resourcing so um ended up securing a job um managing or coordinating a development team for a data warehouse company or a data intelligence company Um, And that was good. I lasted there about a year, um, just learning the ropes of um, different types of data mining and data science, which I'm a huge geek for. Um, If you ask me about data and how powerful it can be and what it can do for people, I love it. I'm a nerd for it. I'll happily read an Excel spreadsheet in detail all day. Um, I get a thrill out of that stuff. So that was a good thing for me. It satisfied that side of things, but it wasn't satisfactory in a sense of where I could could go. There was nothing new happening, nothing challenging me. And so after about a year, I packed my things up and went to um, another organisation, still software-based, 
who were actually um, providing software as a service or um, to mainly government bodies um, to do with their traffic and um, traffic network systems. So the software that, you know, changes a lot from red to green and vice versa and things like that. So not in the detail in the software there, but I was working in a PMO space, uh, which was my first real formal job in an actual dedicated project management office and environment. And I learned everything from how to help contribute to a status report to actually being able to do a project status report in its entirety myself and grew from a project support coordinator to project support to project manager in that same organisation. And quite quickly, um, by anyone else's standards, that happened so fast. And before I knew it, I was thrust in front of clients right around Australia, managing their projects, and then looking at their program as a whole. So not just, um, you know, this is the project we're managing, but we've got six projects coming up and actually managing their pipeline of works, as well as the project itself. Um, And what was challenging about that was that I didn't have any project support under me. So I really did have to do every component of the project management and program management myself for multiple clients. So that taught me a lot. Um, And then after I sort of um, got to a point there where I was happy, I was in a a good place as far as the work I was doing, the clients I had, I actually got offered an opportunity to move over to a a tech startup in Brisbane uh, who were managing a huge huge international project with um, a client in New Zealand and be the sole senior project manager for that. And that was basically where I finished up before I had my little baby. Um, Unfortunately, I had accepted a contract just after that as a senior digital project manager for a digital agency, um, but had to stop that pretty soon um, because I got pregnant. But um, I kind of, they're the main roles that I have done um, I guess, what year span are we looking at? Maybe in the last seven years? Yeah. So pretty quick that, progression. That doesn't surprise me about how you progress quickly because, yeah, you've definitely got the attitude of self-learning, self-initiation, but you love communicating to people in a variety of way, and I'll tap into that a little bit later. But um, so all these project management roles that you've had, um, what is it that you like about it? What What is it that you love about being the senior project manager? Um, I definitely get a thrill out of um, the client side of things. So when you've got a very complex problem that you know your product or software, whatever it is that you're um, delivering to this client is going to fix or solve, I get the biggest thrill out of actually going in even mid-project towards the end of the project and then well after the project when we're looking at the benefits and actually sitting down with them and hands-on myself doing the handover and the the demonstration of the product and here's how we solved your problems. Um, You know, just because you're a project manager, it doesn't mean you can't be that engaged and hands-on with your client um, in that space if you know your product and you're confident in, in the project itself. So, you know, on the hard days where you'd come home and you'd, if you're drunk, I don't drink, but if you wanted that big bottle of red wine, like most project managers, um, it's worth going back the next day just to know that, you know, you're solving or working towards helping someone either become more efficient or, um, you know, drastically improve the way they're working if you're implementing a whole new system. 
if you're decommissioning 10 systems so they can use one instead, um, that is such an amazing feeling at the end of the day um, to have contributed to. I haven't saved someone's life like a paramedic may, may have at the end of the day, but um, to me, software is my passion, data is my passion, people, I love people. Um, so to be able to go into a client's office, so happy to deliver them something that I feel like, you know, you've spent money on us, you've trusted us. Um, here's here's what you've bought essentially. Here's what you know we've improved or done for you, and to carry them through that whole journey of all the things I've done, that is by far the best part about it. And then also the fact that no two days are the same. So if I worked in a very mundane nine to five, every day is the same. I answer some calls, I send some emails. I would really struggle and bring that unhappiness home at the end of the day. It would come into my house. Um, it'll probably affect my health, but the fact that days in a project management role are never the same, whether you're on one project, 10, whether you've got one client or many, they're all so different. You don't know when you walk into the office tomorrow if one of your resources um, is no longer available or if an entire system's crashed or, you know, if it's just going to be a great day in general and everything's running on schedule, you don't know. So um, that thrill of, you know, the unknown and then being able to try and translate that into a known um, concept to manage is also quite good about project management. Gets me really excited. What's tomorrow going to be like? Um, so that's probably the two things I take away from it the most: the client satisfaction and giving them that problem um, resolved or solving a problem for them, and then the fact that it is a job that will never be the same. No projects will be the same, and no days will be the same ever. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely hear that in your voice that you actually are very passionate about that. And one of the strengths that I know of you is your ability to storytell. Um, when I was working with you, you you wrote and your a writing ability to be able to communicate to people on so many different levels through your storytelling um, was very much valued by me because I would send you off to solve some of the um, communication issues we were having in our project. And do you still write a lot? Like, do you still do that creative writing and communication? I think it's um, a part of who I am as a person. Um, So I don't think it's just in the workplace. Right now at home with a baby, you know, my communication style is probably goo goo gaga primarily, but... um, (laughs) It's good, but it's not, you know, where it was. Um, And I have taken time off from running a blog as well to to really just focus on trying to get used to this whole motherhood thing. But um, definitely feel like if you're a communicator, it's who you are. So um, from things like my marriage to work to motherhood to to anything I really tackle, communication has always been really important to me and transparency. So... um, to not be working in a project management um, space right this very moment, I still apply that over maybe over communicative style or storytelling style, as you say, just to my day to day, to my marriage with my husband. You know, there's nothing that he won't know. Um, I like to keep him updated. You know, he can have his his status report at the end of the week or, <laughs> or his checkpoint report during the day. You know, things things that um, make sure that you know, I'm managing any risks to our marriage, as an example, or managing risks to my household or to my child. Um, So 
I do still creatively write. I'm actually in the throes of trying to write a wedding speech for my super long-term best friend who's getting married next month. And I've never felt more stressed to write something because I feel like all the pressure is on me, the writer, to have the best speech. (laughs) Um, So I do still write. I do still think that keeping that going openly, whether verbally or written, is really important. And in the role I'm doing right now, which is um, helping out a business, an online business with their social media and marketing, um, that's very much, you know, I've got to write Facebook posts and Instagram posts and things that are engaging to a particular market. So I still get that adult stimulation beyond the goo goo at home. <laughs> and um, definitely stress to anyone in my life that if you have a problem, if, if I've done something or said something, I mightn't have done it intentionally to, to offend because I talk so much, um, it's likely I'll slip up, but please talk to me back. So I do expect the same level of communication and transparency back. And I think that fosters really healthy relationships across the board, but also really healthy uh, relationships in a project space as well to have that transparent and constant communication. So you're all on the same script. You're all talking the same language. Yeah, love that, Cass. <laughs> now, when you're managing projects, what are three things that you keep an eye out for to know that you're staying on track, that this is a, a good day, this is a um, going to be a kick-ass type result? What's three things? I guess I have three points um, on this and I'll just highlight them. So the first one is confidence in you, your team, your product and your tools. The second one being do the hard yards up front and the third being to communicate and then communicate some more. So um, to touch lightly on each of them or else you'll have me here all day, um, confidence in your team, you yourself as a project manager and your product or offering and the tools you're using to project manage I feel like are a really big and important key um, in project management. So you can go and do your prints through practitioner, your, you know, your agile, get all your buzzwords. Um, and that's not really going to be useful to you to just know it unless you know how to access those tools, put them in your tool belt and use them day to day and to be adaptive with them. So um, I haven't been in a situation where I've been able to run a project end to end 100% prints to true. Um, maybe you have in your experience, but I am yet to meet someone who has, <laughs> but so many things that you learn in that in the theory behind Prince 2 or the theory behind the project management body of knowledge or your scrum master courses and agile courses through to anything else you want to upskill in. I think the purpose of them is to really equip you with the tools and you can pick and choose out of your tool belt like a tradie will choose if he needs a hammer or a drill to do a particular uh, task just as a project manager, project manager, sorry, you need to pull that tool out of your belt at the right time um, for the right task. So knowing your, knowing who you are as a project manager and being confident in that, me as a project manager, um, I take on well before I actually became a mother, a very motherly role. So I care very much about my resources, how they're doing, if they're okay, if they're comfortable, if they feel engaged, if they feel happy. Because to me, I feel a happy resource or a happy project team member is going to deliver results better than someone who may be, um, you know, very stressed or very overworked or has too much work on their plate. 
or might even have personal things going on that are affecting them at work. So, um, you know, that's me and my style as a manager and as a project manager to be really connected with my people first. And I know that, so therefore I have confidence in who I am as a project manager because I know my management style um, and I can tell you my management style. And my team, you know, you, you wouldn't put a carpenter on a task to um, fix a sink unless perhaps he had cross-functional skills. So picking the right project team for the right deliverables and, and project you're delivering where possible is always best and then having confidence in them. So you know that Fred the carpenter is going to be able to make you some awesome furniture and you know that Bill the plumber is going to be able to fix the drains. So if you've got a project that needs, you know, a table and some plumbing, why not, if you can, get those resources to do tasks that are best suited to them? Gives you a happy resource, gives you um, better outcomes and make sure that, that the person doing the work in your project team you can actually have confidence in. And I laugh about it that there are so many project management jokes or puns on the web, um, things people used to print off and leave on my desk because they were just so funny. But one of them that's really stuck with me is this cat with a really grumpy face. Um, and one of the, the puns or jokes around it was, um, when I die, I'd like my project team to lower me into the ground so they could let me down one more time. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> I used to laugh and then I went, oh, my gosh, that's actually horrible <laughs> in the sense that you have no confidence in your project teams um, and it should be the other way around. If, if, if they're letting you down consistently, why are they letting you down? Why is something fundamentally wrong? Uh, are, they, are they overworked? There's always a reason. So confidence in you, how you manage and your team, super important to me and things that I find really help me in my projects to date, as well as knowing my tools. So whether you're a Microsoft project or whether you're an Asana or you're using, you know, some swanky new online scheduling tool, if you're just running it out of Excel, whatever works for you, make sure it works for you. You know how to use it. Um, and that is probably the best tool you can have in your tool belt, um, that knowledge and understanding of your tools. So if you're not Prince 2 qualified, don't try and apply Prince 2 because it's, it's just not going to be useful, I guess, if it's not applied the correct way. Um, but if you've got Prince 2 in your toolkit and you're using Microsoft Project, then you might, you know, be able to use that to your advantage and uh, be confident in the tools you're using and how that works um, for you to deliver successfully and confidently. So confidence to me is important. If you want respect from your team, if you want good outcomes, respect from your client, you can't come in all shaky and shady. It just won't, um, it won't give your team confidence in you and it won't give the client confidence in you and you represent the company usually, ultimately. So point one, done. <laughs> um, the second one, I am a huge believer in this and have actually always struggled in organisations to get support for this, but doing the hard yards up front and the reason an organisation will not usually be fond of this is because it costs. So upfront, you usually haven't even had a first payment unless you've negotiated and put in sort of a, an initial contract payment or something into your schedule. So, you know, really getting your resources in a room into a discovery phase or scoping things out thoroughly um, and documenting those requirements upfront is usually frowned upon 
um, often because it's a cost, but it's a cost that I have seen benefits projects massively when your whole team is involved up front. You've identified who your team is. They knew, they know who you are. You're the project manager. Everyone has a role and a purpose and we're all getting together to understand what the purpose of the project is, what we're delivering, what's required of us when, and getting the whole team involved in what I feel is like an internal, almost invisible contract. So if I get a development manager to provide estimates and I accept them and then put them in the schedule, that to me is a little contract that I've signed with that development manager where I'm going to hold him accountable to those estimates unless he tells me otherwise. He's going to hold me accountable and the client's going to hold me accountable. And it's not a formal contract like you would sign with a client, but if you don't do that at the beginning with all of your resources and you seem, and I've experienced it before, you will have periods during the project where um, a resource is going to come to you and say, well, we were never going to hit that target. We we were never going to get, get that done by that date. And that is something that, you know, bad news and delivering that to a client is always best done well ahead of time. If you're going to go to a client and say, I'm so sorry, um, X, Y, Z's happened, we're not going to be able to meet this date by two weeks, a client will better receive it if that's well ahead of, okay, it was due tomorrow and now we need two more weeks. So if you can do the hard yards up front, get that documented, get that scoped, get everyone in your project team identified and then involved, that to me um, is worth that initial upfront cost, um, which you always almost make back because the project will usually go quite smoothly. I feel like it's weird to say that. But yep. <laughs> usually it's a bit smoother of a project. So if you do uh, invest in that upfront initial discovery phase and doing those hard documentation yards, um, you know, that's key. But by hard documentation, I also don't mean trying to get a project schedule in those first few days meticulously pulled together because that's not practical and you give that to a client, you're going to be apologising at every milestone. So, you know, more in the plan doesn't necessarily always mean better. So what you decide to put in your project plan out of that discovery phase that ultimately in that plan will go to the client and form a milestone or payment schedule doesn't always have to be um, a micro detailed listing of every single thing that's happening. The client doesn't need to know how you construct your cloud environments. They just want to know that there's a software that works. So it's our job to make sure that everything that supports that software is in place. So, you know, looking at your project schedule in that discovery phase and making sure that you don't overwhelm a client with the detail, but you also don't overwhelm your team with the detail is really important. And unless you put the time in at the beginning to think, because a project manager does need to think about how they're going to do that schedule and shape that schedule, but they need the content from their resources to do that, um, I think is hugely important in running a successful project and has definitely helped me in cases where I've been allowed or afforded to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, the and story, then the final one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say the story for me, Cass, is that I've got a model that says you talked about it costing us up front. Well, if we don't do it up front, it's going to cost you 10 times more down the bottom when we have to recover from the BS that we didn't address yeah. at the beginning. And so Correct. actually it's, it might cost you $100,000 to set up a project really well. Mm. 
But if we don't deal with it, it could cost you a million dollars to recover. Yeah, take a second to look at your risk register and see if X, Y, Z happens, what that treatment cost is. Um, exactly right. And often blowouts. So, you know, a, pro- a poorly planned project is going to go over schedule, over budget. And they sound like buzzwords, but it's totally factual. So my final point on the three things that I keep an eye out for, and we kind of already touched on it, so I'll be pr- quite sure, is just the communication. So, you know, I've had some management say to me, communicate too much. And I've had some say, change the way you communicate, as in maybe you send too many emails or maybe you don't call enough. Um, And that's all great advice. But to me, um, there's time and place. So if I'm on a project, um, particularly one I was working on that was heavily digital, my resources were uh, not, I didn't have them in the office with me. They were based um, all around the world, predominantly in the Philippines. I had one in Europe. Um, That was quite difficult to manage and communication was absolutely core to that project. It finished on time uh, and and was a success from the client's um, side of things. So what I learned particularly from that, instead of just having an open plan office where I can listen all day to what people are saying and work out that's to do with my project or might impact my project, um, I didn't have that luxury when my resources were actually overseas Um, in in the digital project space and we were building creative content. Um, So I would send out, you know, a morning email every morning of the week. We also would schedule in uh, phone catch-ups or Skype sort of group conversations and keeping those comms going not just with the project team but internally as well with, you know, upper management who were looking to me for reports was important. But the frequency of it, was a lot higher in that space than it was on a project I was doing that I had physical resources in the office for. Mm. But I applied some of the same principles to an in, in-house resource project in that, you know, a, a client status report that might be fortnightly, once I've sent it to the client, I actually liked to send that to my project team as well. Um, whether they chose to read it or not, I wasn't going to come around and bop them on the head if they didn't read it. But the point is you're working on this, you're contributing to this. Here's an update um, should you choose to read it. And then formalising that and sending it again to the, the sort of upper management that I was accountable for reporting to. Um, but setting up regular like communications and then communicating a little bit more than you think is probably necessary was a big, um, big thing for me when I was managing projects. So, you know, oh, I've sent enough emails today, but I'll just do a wrap-up. Ultimately, people can block your emails or filter your emails if they think that there's too many. Yeah. And there is such a thing as too many. I'm not talking about ridiculous amount. There is such a thing as too many emails and key information will get missed. But if you can send your status report to your project team internally um, and at a stand-up, just recommend that they read it, that's going to keep them really engaged. That's going to keep them up to date. If you get feedback from the client, you know, or, um, you know, we had such and such call up about, the portal and they absolutely love the new look of it. Give that back to your team. Let your team know, you know, we're getting some really awesome feedback. Clients are loving it. The clients and users are giving them happy feedback because it will energize and rejuvenate a project team, especially towards the end of a release or the end of a project where you're all quite exhausted. No matter how good your project planning is right in those last few days, you probably are working huge days. Um, So give your team that feedback, keep the circle going 
Um, and I was always willing to forward a happy client email onto my project team to, to forward a happy client email onto management. Um, and I certainly like getting them myself. So vice versa, if, if one of my managers had received an email saying that I was awesome, they forward it to me. And it just helped me maybe on a bad day or a good day, really ground myself as to what I'm doing, the purpose of what I'm doing, who it's helping. Um, and at the same time, like I said before, it keeps that communication and that script that you're all talking on the project the same. So the information isn't hidden um, unless it really needs to be, but ideally information is shared. It's relevant on the project to the project team. Everyone knows what's going on. There's no secrets. And that really benefits the project as a whole because I don't want to be surprised at a stand-up unless that's happened in the last hour. I should already know about it. Um, just as much as a project team member doesn't want to be surprised. Um, and there's this stigma, I think, on project managers that we really are these, I don't know, we come around and we bop them on the head and, you know, you've got to have this done by this date. And my husband, who's worked with me in a professional sense, in two different organisations now, he follows me everywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, he's in the quality assurance and testing space, usually management. Um, and he's given me feedback sometimes that he feels so engaged and connected on the project. It helps him to do his job better. Yes. But also that um, he likes that there are no secrets and that that project management stigma that, you know, we're just timeline beaters, you know, you must hit this date. We're we're awful. We're mean, nasty, grinches. Um, My husband actually says the opposite. He says, if you know how to use a project manager um, to your benefit, like actually project managers are amazing to have on a project. Because like, you think about it, if there's no project manager on a project, what, what happens? I mean, it's scary for me to think about, but if you've got a multi-million dollar project and no one person or multiple coordinating all of that effort. Yeah. Um, it's chaos. It's chaos. Yeah, it'd be scary. <laughs> it can be chaos managing it. So without the management on it, it's, it's chaos. But you know, my husband puts it into perspective when he says, you know, I worked on so many projects, but to have a project manager that acts like an umbrella and filters through the right information and filters out the right information at the right time, it really isn't we're coming to you and beating you over the, the head because you haven't done something on time. We're actually almost equipping you and enabling you to do your job well. And then by you doing your job well, you enable us which is through the project manager to deliver to the client. So you equip your resource and then you give the client the outcome of that. And I think that all starts with communication. So if you're too scared to tell your project manager you've slipped on something or um, you've identified a risk in the product or a quality error, um, if you're too scared to talk to your project manager, that's a really, really serious problem. Yes. Um, It's a warning sign that there's other underlying symptoms and causes to that yeah and that will drastically drastically hinder your project and vice versa if your project manager can't come to you and talk to you transparently about something be it if it's critical or if it's a compliment um, then that's a problem as well so back to point one if you've got confidence in you and your team then you know your team should be able to come to you with a risk and not have you scream down their necks about it but if you need to be firm and they need to have a firm um, project and manager, then they're not, um, you know, pulled to pieces when you are firm and they can respect that you were firm 
um, for a reason and continue, you know, accordingly. So I think without hopefully confusing myself there, the communication is really important and setting up those communication channels and keeping them transparent um, is the third biggest thing for me in project management. After those three hot tips that um, seriously the project managers that are listening today will definitely jump on those, I reckon. <laughs> What's the best project management advice you've received? Someone once said to me, and I don't know who it is to give them credit, but I did get told one day that, you know, to be the best project manager or manager of anything in your life, um, the best advice would be to be a leader rather than a manager. So managers typically, or typically a project manager is an example, we're quite concerned with, you know, um, schedules, scope, time, all the buzzwords, planning, risk management, budget, um, our reports, you know, the status report days where you're bogged down writing big status reports. Um, they're super important and they, they all have a, a very strong purpose in regards to project management, but they don't always, um, they're not always the end all as far as being a successful project manager or running a successful project. The leadership component, I think, is absolutely, you know, if you're more people focused and more concerned with the project's vision and producing an output, um, the management side of things will follow. So to lead, um, I don't have a really good quote about what it means to lead, but in my mind and the mantra that I have, it's to, to hear my resources, not to just listen. So if you're a leader, you're doing something because you've done it before. I'm not going to ask you to go and scrub a toilet if perhaps I haven't scrubbed the toilet myself many times before. That way I can lead you through the process of scrubbing and cleaning a toilet. Um, it might be a really crappy task well, pun intended, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I've done it before so I can lead someone in that space. Um, and you can have that, that empathy and that care and that vision um, for that outcome, which would be a sparkling clean toilet, um, that perhaps you wouldn't have had, you know, being just a manager directing someone to clean the toilet who mightn't have done it themselves. And I really think that there is a key difference between leading someone in a project and managing someone. And when you're managing projects, it's really people. A project manager's main focus really is people management. Project manager is to manage people ultimately. And you won't get that written on paper somewhere. But I felt like at the end of the day, what I'd spent most of the day doing was people management, whether it was giving someone a report, checking in on someone, how are we going with this task? It was all around my resources and people. And that's because a project manager typically doesn't do the project. Um, when I explain to people, you know, oh, what do you do for work? Well, I'm a project manager. Oh, what's that? Is usually the first yes. question I get asked. And I think, how do you not know what a project manager is? Like what project, ma- like project manager, the, the title says it. But I always get asked. And just this morning I dropped my baby to daycare and, I said, oh, look, I'm doing an interview today with a, a great old colleague of mine. And she's like, oh, well, that's awesome. What for? I said, oh, it's about project management. What was that? And it, it gets me every time because I think, well, it's managing projects. But then to explain it to someone, it really is. And I say it all the time. Actually, I manage the people who do the project work or, I'm, you know, whether it's software construction, which is very different, but 
has project managers as well, you're really managing a collective of bodies, of, of resources to do something. Um, and when project managers step up and become more of a leader, then they become motivational. They can instill passion and thrive and energy into their team. They don't rely so much on, you know, a level of authority to get the work done. Your team will build a relationship with you that's based on trust and inspiration. And I've always tried to inspire my teams to deliver projects. I've done that outside of my working career as well. I've always tried to to lead in my life so that um, other people are inspired or encouraged because it builds really strong foundations in relationships, in in a marriage, in life, um, to just be someone who hears. I can talk a lot, but if you talk to me, I will listen, but I will hear what you're saying and take it in and digest it. Um, And that's really important in a project. So for me, having someone say to me, Cass, you should lead, not manage, um, has forever been my work mantra. I've developed a program called Three Pillars of Project Leadership. Um, It talks about self-leadership, practice leadership and approach leadership and how all three pillars um, as a project manager can really set yourself up for success, you and your team. So um, I really relate to what you're talking about there because I find that, yeah, I have a bit of a mantra too that there's more to projects and budgets, risks, issues it's about communication relationships and leadership so yeah yeah and you you instilled that in me you know when were we working on that project like seven or eight years ago now you really instilled that culture of celebrating um the success of the people in your team so I can remember you know an email occasionally or um you know at the end of a really hard week getting a text that's like you know you did awesome this week and things like that they're so little but that's a leader. That's someone who is 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 engaged and emotionally intelligent enough to 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 have you know develop those little emotional IQ muscles um, and is aware of their team. We, we're humans. We're, we're people, and we all want to get this product or this project complete. Um, but having that just that little personal touch as a leader, um, obviously, eight years on, I can still remember um, getting those little personal touches from you. Um, it makes a difference and it lasts your program and this, this amazing project management stuff that you're doing is, is really beyond just helping and encouraging and equipping project managers of today and the future to um, be better project managers. It's actually part of being a better person. Um, you know, if you communicate better, it's going to help you in so many ways. If you're going to look down the path and plan, you're going to be happier because you're managing some of those unknowns in life. But your car still might break down tomorrow. You might be equipped to deal with that. It's just, you know how to respond though because you've actually become a better person so your response yeah. is different. So, And I think I've been so privileged uh, in my life already, not that I'm very old so that sounds crazy, but in my short working career so far, I think I've been very privileged to have from such a young age, I was barely 19 when I took on some of my first project management work. I've been so privileged to have actually been able at such a young age to learn these things and to take on these principles because I think they're the keys to my happiness, really, to where I am in life. Um, we've got a very happy, very strong, stable marriage. And I put that down to some of those core things I spoke about as far as 
confidence in yourself, confidence in your team, you know, my husband and my child and my team, um, confidence in your product or your project, you know, um, happiness and travel and health, they're all, you know, part of our, I guess, deliverables. And, you know, it all, it all comes together and um, I've just been so privileged that I've learned that. And it all, I guess, started from a chance encounter um, working fresh out of uni from a law degree, oddly, with a, um, a project manager like you, which I guess I just went, oh, that's me. I've got to do what she's doing. And I just sponged as much as I could from you. Um, but I think that shaped my life, to be fair. I think you also taught me a few things, Cass. Don't, <laughs> yeah, definitely taught me how to communicate, that's for sure. Um, do you drink coffee though? Because if, if I, I taught you how to drink coffee, oh, great. Well, then I'm done. That's, we're finished. <laughs> I got to that on coffee. Yeah, coffee and red wine, definitely now. Um, okay, there you go. Well, you're a grandma now, so <laughs> all the more reason. You talk a lot about your husband and your little girl, Frankie, um, who is nine months old, I think. Yes. 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 Um, Still- so you're, you're a return to work mum um, and mum as a role, as you said, is a project in itself um, and definitely mm-hmm. being a sponge and learning how to communicate is uh, a challenge. What's some of the things you're struggling with now and um, how you're dealing with it? I just probably um, want to wrap up so that people understand a little bit about you. And if they're listening, they can reach out and grab you to do some work. Yeah. So um, at the moment, uh, I haven't gone back full time to any sort of project management roles. I am just doing the, the few hours a week from home for this lovely lady and her baby business. Um, but the struggles I've had really is that um, I want to be working full time or, or even quite heavily three or four days a week back in project management. I miss it. I miss it a lot. Um, but at the same time, I'm torn between, you know, this is a child that my husband and I wanted for quite a while, that we tried for for quite a while, that we had a lot of difficulty um, getting, I guess. So do I want, you know, my brain is torn between do I want to to stay and enjoy this this little tiny human being I've created that spills her juices all over me and yes. doesn't talk and, and is just <laughs> turning my brain to mush, but it's so cute. Do I want to, you know, really soak this period up, do things with her like swimming classes and, and um, take her to cool little kitty discos or do I want to be that working mum five days a week um, right now because ultimately yes, I want to be five days a week. I want to be climbing that career sort of ladder again, pushing myself to be better and better, to earn more than my husband was always the goal. Um, that was that was met, but it will always be a fight between us as to who can earn more than the other. Um, but I'm so torn because really once Frankie, you know, starts prep in five years or whenever it is, for 13 years she's going to be five days a week and then theoretically fully able to take care of herself. So there's all the time in the world for me to do full-time work, for me to go back to what I say is, you know, the glory days of, of my project management career to, to have my super actually moving up again because it's been just sitting there for a while now. <laughs> um, so at the moment, you know, I'm only doing some 10 or 15 hours a week, and it, but it's from home. So I don't get that, you know, that getting up for work catching a train or driving or whatever the, the routine used to be, getting a coffee, the buzz of, of people running around in the city to go to their office. 
I do miss that a lot and I'm struggling, I guess, mentally with that that timeshare, you know, how can I be a good mum to my child and enjoy this season in my life that I prayed so long for and not take it for granted. But also, you know, this mummy really needs to work. She loves work. She's missing it a lot. Um, her brain is not stimulated hardly as much as it used to be, you know, um, and just talking with my husband about, you know, he's very supportive. If you want to go back full time, we'll find a way at the moment daycare is actually really hard to get five days a week for and I don't have the luxury of of family that can babysit or, or have her so daycare is really the only option um so at the moment I'm sort of thinking <clears throat> if the days of daycare become more available and she can go more than two days um I'm definitely I think at a point where I do want to go back to a um in office sort of professional working environment definitely get out of the house um, be that part-time or full-time, whatever opportunity comes up that I feel will suit. Um, but I guess it's just so different thinking about, you know, where I was a year ago, year and a half ago as a project manager to where I might be as a project manager in the future. You know, I can't just jump on a plane and go to New Zealand at the drop of a hat. Um, I'll probably even say no, but I loved that part of my job. So will I ever go back to that same this feeling I have in my head of that same rush and thrill I used to get from work. And I've done a lot of soul searching about it. And I really feel like, um, yes, I could be just as successful as I was. And then some, I have all the capacity and everything I need in me to do that. Um, I can make that happen in my life. We are fully responsible for that. Um, but it will just be different. So instead of, hey, I've got to work till nine o'clock tonight, no worries. Well, can I work till nine o'clock or is there a baby at home that needs food? Um, just different. Um, so getting my head wrapped around what the future might look like as a project manager because I will forever want to be, that's, that's my forever job. I don't want to be anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> forever wrapping my head around, you know, going back in a contract role, going back as a consultant, going as an in-house project manager. The, the detail doesn't bother me at the moment. It's just been, you know, what would full-time work look like with, with a baby, you know? Am I even as good as I think I am at organisation and multitasking because I'm going to have to get a baby to daycare and then go to work and function in a critical thinking role but then come home and look after a baby who might be sick or not sleep and, and go back and do that critical thinking again all day. And, I guess my husband's been doing it since she was born. He has to critically think every day. So um, it's possible. It's just a big adjustment for someone who um, really was just so career. That My whole world was my job, which um, I loved. I loved what I was doing. I was very happy. Um, and all of a sudden you have this tiny human who's awesome and you really wanted it, but it shakes up massively your perception of things and what's really important. and. She is the most important thing. And my husband, maybe, I have to say that or he'll get mad. Um, but also me, I'm still just as important. So um, I need to make sure that I do get back into project management and that I do return to work because that's, that's what works for me. There are other mums who might return to work for years and they're totally okay with that. And I'm okay with that. That's you. But for me, I don't think that's the mum that I am. I think... I've come to the decision in the last few weeks, especially that I definitely, for me, for my 
mental health for, for, for everything you need to be to be back at work as a working mum. That's me. And to show my daughter that, you know, you can have a child, you can be a mum, and it doesn't mean that you have to give up everything, you know, and it's not selfish to say that. It's not selfish of me to want to give up a little bit of her but still have enough of her so that I can work and demonstrate that mummy can earn money just like daddy and still cook and, you know, play with her. And it's going to be scary but exciting. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's done it. In fact, I'm not the only one that's done it. But it is so scary to think about working full-time with a kid that you love so much um, and the time that you might miss out on. But I think that's the best decision for me. So, Thank you so much for sharing that, Cass. <laughs> um, yeah, we all have our own stories, and uh, but you've been able to get through yours and um and Frankie is a gorgeous gift and um and I can understand the struggles you're going through as a single mum myself as I um trying to make those decisions about when I worked and when I didn't uh raising Kirsty so and you know what's amazing is that you look at you know I look at the relationship you have with Kirsty and I think for any women or um dads who might be stay-at-home dads who are listening any Anyone in that position, um, you know, you in particular have an amazing relationship with your daughter, fully grown. She's had a baby herself. Um, The bond there is awesome. You guys are best friends. And I can only wish that for Frankie and I one day to be, you know, really good friends. There's no, you know, mummy wasn't there or mummy didn't have grudges because mummy worked or whatever, you know. And I think that you and Kirsty demonstrate that really well. And maybe in a few years' time, a few months, whenever Kirsty decides to go back, if she goes back to work, you know, her little one will hopefully think the same thing, you know. That's that's what mummy did um, and it's the best thing that mummy did for us. And I just want Frankie to be my friend. I just want her to, to love me and be my friend when she's bigger. <laughs> that's all I want. <laughs> I think you've got some guiding principles there that she will um, definitely honour. Um, about your project management, about confidence and transparency and communication. I think that's definitely gold in life. So thank you so much for giving us your time today, Cass. Um, I'll put um, the link, your LinkedIn profile up when I publish this. Um, And, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. No, thanks for inviting me. It's been fantastic. It's good to get to talk about some of these things, especially because I've been really yeah, toing and froing on how to be a project manager and have a baby at home. So I think I won't be the only one. So if anyone wants to shoot me a message and just say, hey, I'm doing the same to and fro, I'd happily love to chat. Um, but project management is just the greatest thing, the greatest skill set, the greatest toolkit for life. And if you've been fortunate enough like me to have met someone who does that so well, um, to inspire you the way that you have with me. I think it's, you know, if I can do that to someone else or inspire someone else, um, then yay. (laughs) Well done. See you, Cass. See ya. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a few ideas to take action. I would love for you to rate and review the show. I too need feedback to learn. Cheers for now. Remember, a day without laughter is a day wasted.